You're listening to the 9 a.m. Sunday School class, led by Pastor Greg Voorhees, Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, Sunday, October 8, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or find them on all things social, at svbcfamily. We're going to open in a word of prayer, and we'll, we'll dive into our, dive into our uh, continuing study. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, I just thank you for this morning. God, I just ask that you that you continue to use this study to grow us and shape us into the likeness of Christ. Lord, just let your Holy Spirit have his way in this place. God, we just want to honor you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so kind of what we had been talking about last week, kind of where we left off, uh, we, we, we were looking at... Uh, the Babylonians, and when they had came, they had come in and, and, and taken taken away the people of Israel. So on page one ten, it asks this question that says, "What do you think of God using wicked people like the Babylonians to punish other wicked people like the Israelites had been at that time?" So, what's your take on that? God using using people. Bad people to punish other bad people. What do you think about that? Is that a thing? I mean, it could be, you know, Israel at that at that time. You know, we've looked a lot at Israel's. You know, that's you know that's kind of a subject near and dear to my heart. You know, that's a, they were doing some pretty bad stuff. You know, first the Assyrians we talked about. The Assyrians came and took the northern kingdom. They had no good kings. Think about it, even the whole northern kingdom was birthed out of rebellion. You know, rebellion from, from the house of David. And then first the Assyrians came and took the northern kingdom, and then the Babylonians took the southern kingdom. And, and, and then, you know, so, so the, the, the Israelites weren't, they weren't doing good stuff. And the Babylonians definitely weren't doing good stuff. What do you think about God? Does God use wicked people to punish other wicked people? I, I mean, that, that's one of those things that we could have a very long debate about that. <laughs> and maybe not even still come to the, to a, to, to the right answer. I, I do know that we've talked a lot about this over the last year or so. That, 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 we, that we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world where we deal with people's free will, you know, their, their, their free will of wanting to, in this case, the Babylonians, you know, wanting, wanting to conquer. You know, what, how does God play into that? I, I, we absolutely see examples of, not only in the Bible, but in American history, God's protection. You, you, know, what, you know, when we see when Elisha and Elisha, the, you know, the... the, the you know the armies were pouring down on them, and they, they should have been squished, but you, you know they weren't. You know God protected them. You, you know that's just one little example. It's all throughout the whole conquering of the, the promised land. I, I mean, you want you want to talk about you, you know God using people to do the impossible? Read read about the stuff that Joshua did. You know in his conquering of of, of, of you know the promised land. United States, we should not have been able to break away from England. 
I, I mean, they were just a powerhouse. But, but, so we do see where God protects his people in certain circumstances. But do you think that, and again, this is up for debate. This is, this is kind of, this, this is an interesting question. Is it so much that God is using these other people to punish, you know, his people for doing wrong things? Or that hand of protection that I was talking about, maybe he just kind of lifted that off. You, you know, and let them experience, you know, what it was like not to have his hand of protection on them for a short period of time. You, you know, that's, that would be kind of the way that I would lean, you, you know, because it's, it's just, but like I said, this is something we could argue. We, we could argue and debate this back and forth. But, but, I, but I, think, I think it's more so that God... And this is just my opinion uh, that God, you know, in this, these circumstances, and, and, and did He not give the the Israelites lots and lots of warnings? This this, this should not have been a surprise, you, you know, to them. Every time something bad happened to the nation of Israel in the Bible, there were lots and lots of warnings. <laughs> he, you know, it was never one of these things where it's like God woke. Of course, I'm 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 just being silly, but God woke up in the morning and said, like, "Okay." I'm going to squish my people today. That, that, that didn't happen. Anytime, any time that bad things happened to the nation of Israel in the Bible, he gave lots and lots of warnings. He you know, gave, gave them opportunities to turn back. Tried, and he also, we see him do this even for people that, that weren't his, you know, per se. He, you know, we talked about a little bit last week when we were talking about the, the Assyrians. He, you know how he used Jonah, he, you know, to to even bring, you know, Nineveh, kind of the capital of, of of the Assyrian world at that time. You know, to even bring them to a place of repentance before the exile. You know, so it's we we see God, God's God's intermingling with with history because it is His history is His. God's intermingling with history. If you can honestly say that you, you fully understand his dealings with people, boy, I tell you what, I have a doctorate, and I, I can tell you I have no idea. I, I mean, that's, that's the thing about the sovereignty of God. You, you know, God understands why he does what he does, and it's always, it, it's always for a purpose. You, you know, so even, even the exiles, and what was the deal with the exiles? You, you know, I've, I know I've talked about that a lot. You, you know, what's one thing... What's one thing we saw kind of in the history of Israel before the exiles? Idol worship. We see that a lot. It's, it, it seems like, it seems like any time the, the, the Hebrew people intermingled with, with the, the, kind of the countries around them, they, they had the tendency of uh, you know, kind of taking up their habits. You know, even at the, the face of, they're at the bottom of Sinai when Moses goes up, and when he's receiving the ten, what we call the Ten Commandments, he, you know, he was up there for a long time. They're like, well, maybe he's dead. He, you know, he's been up there for a long time. Who knows? You know, so they decided to kind of do their own thing. You know, they were having orgies and they made the golden calf. And, you know, so they, they had a tendency for some reason to kind of lean towards these, 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 these idols made of various different things. And that was kind of all throughout their history. But did, do we see that after the exiles? 
Do we, do we see Israel really having issues with, with, with kind of with um, you know, making idols or worshiping idols after the exile? I don't see it. In fact, I see very much the opposite. You, you know, in fact, when, 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 you know, eventually when Rome took over and, 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 and they kind of conquered, you know, who, who was kind of in charge of the Israelites at that time, and they were kind of, kind of, you know, setting up themselves. One of the things that Pilate would, would did one time in, you know, in the, the region of Judea was he, he made a coin that had a face on it, just like ours. You know, and it really ticked them off. They were really, really angry. Why? Because even a face, a face of a Roman emperor on a coin, they said, well, that's a graven image. You know, so it, it really upset them. So what did, what's another thing Pilate did? You know, one time he, 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 he makes these shields, these fancy shields, and he puts on the shields the faces of the emperor, and, and, he, and he hung them. It was either in the courts or within actually the uh, kind of the palace of, of Herod. And they're like, well, here we go. It was this graven image thing. So, I mean, they were ready to go to blows over this stuff. And then finally the emperor said, just, just put it, no, take them down, put them in your own place. <laughs> you, you know, so we see, we see a nation who had a kind of a propensity Towards falling, you know, worshiping idols or going to idols to after the exile, you, you know, they, they were viciously against it. You, you know, so would this be an example? Now, I know this kind of predates the incarnation of Jesus. Of course, we know he was already here, but we kind of the pre or the incarnation of Christ. But do you think that kind of still applies that all things? Work for those to, all things work for the good for those who love Jesus and are called according to His purpose. You, you know, I think it does. So, so God has the ability to, even if He's not using wicked people to punish other wicked people, when this is going on because we, we live in this fallen world and all these bad things happen, and like so we have this free will, and we have all this narcissism, you know, people wanting stuff, 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 stuff. You know, even though that might not be God directly using them, He has a way of taking these bad situations and turning them into something good. Do we see that someplace, on the, someplace else in the Bible? What, what the devil may have, have planned for evil, or, or you know, he, he made into good. You know, with the enemy planned for evil, he, he turned into good. You know, this, this is the th- a theme we see throughout the entire Bible. If, if you, and if it's your position that, yeah, God used wicked people to punish wicked people, you, you know, I, I can't say that you're absolutely wrong. I, I, all I can say is that, that it's, it's outside of what we know about his character. You, you know, it, it, it's kind of, but it's not unlike his character to to remove his hand after warning after warning after warning you, you know turn back turn back turn back and if you don't turn back him taking his hand off the hand of protection off and, and allowing things is that god doing that 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 thing to people no it's just him allowing allowing this to occur you, you know so that that and that's the big difference. And this is why I don't even like the word punishment. I've talked about that. He, you know, God disciplines those whom He loves. He, you know, 
if, if you were a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, this idea of punishment, is, it should be kind of a foreign idea. Because God's not out to punish you. Because once you've become a believer, your punishment has been placed on the shoulders of Christ. But on the flip side, God still disciplines those who, who, who love Christ. He will allow things, bad things to happen in people's lives. You know, it may be in a form of discipline, or, and we've talked about this kind of extensively, this whole idea of a free will. If he didn't let people exercise their free will, he would actually have to end up taking yours too. Because it's not really free will. If, if, if he gifts the human race with the ability to choose, and they choose wrong, and he decides, okay, this was a mistake. I want to take away their ability to choose wrong things. And he also has to take away your ability to choose. You know, so do you see how complicated this gets? <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. It's impossible. There are, way, there are people, I know so many people who are so much smarter than I am, it, it, but they don't get this completely. You can't fully get this. You know, but we do understand the character of God. We understand the fact that, 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 that God does not punish His children. We understand that He disciplines them. And sometimes when, when bad things like what had happened in the lives of Israel through the Old Testament, you know, was it discipline or was it just Him kind of even removing His hand of protection? Nobody really can absolutely know that. I mean, it's those type things are consistent with the character of God. He, you know, God, God punishing, especially Israel. I, I kind of have, I kind of have a struggle with that because and, and punishment as opposed to discipline. Because even when they were doing bad, bad, bad things. Like I said, the northern kingdom, every single king did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Every single one. There was never a good king in the northern kingdom. This goes back to the thing I talk about a lot. I talk about a lot of things, I guess. You know, this covenant that he had with Abraham. He, you know, it's, it's, he promised to save Israel. He promised to you know, look out after her. He was going to bless the world through her. You know, so that's why when things happen, and we're going to pray about this during church, when, when things like what's going on in Israel happens right now, it, it's the Abrahamic covenant to bless those that the blesses people and to curse those who curse people. It's still, it, it's not, that didn't go away. That's kind of a timeless thing. So, so what's going on in Israel right now has is very significant on a spiritual level. You know, because this isn't, this, believe it or not, this is not a battle against radical Islam and Judaism. It's not. What is this really a battle of? Good and evil. This is a, this is a battle, this is a spiritual battle. This is a battle between God and the devil himself. Because the, the devil... And here's the funny thing about the, 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 and I know, yes, this is one of my rabbit trails, but it's, it's, it's relevant for what's going on right now. Do you believe, yes, this is a huge rabbit trail, you've got to forgive me here, but this, this, this is kind of dealing with what's happening in the world right now. Do you believe that all Islamic people are evil? 
Absolutely not. They just aren't. If you, if, if you, if you understand the Quran and how it's laid out, with, with the, with the uh, Islam itself, the, the, based on the Quran, I do believe is a violent religion, and this is why. Do I believe that everybody who reads the Quran interprets it this way and practices it? No, I know, I know Islamic people who, who love peace just as much as I do. They just do. But that's why, in fact, when I was working on one, one of my degrees, I went to a mosque and spent an evening you know, during their prayer time, which is not easy. It is not easy to have a conversation with a group of, of Muslims during prayer time because there's like a there's like a clock, and I, I mean at the exact these exact times, I mean they get down and they pray. So you can be having a conversation, tick that that time, and, and man, they're at it again. I mean it's it's just difficult. But these were these were peace loving folks, and, and one of the things I asked a guy from the, the one of the local mosques, I, I said there's this idea of in the Middle East these these. It's kind of these Islamic people who consider what they practice, what we call radical Islam, they call it true Islam. You know what? You know what's what's the difference between true Islam and what we would consider run-of-the-mill <laughs> Islam? The, the the people who use this term true Islam, these are these jihadist people. These are the people who right now are attacking Israel. And they say that that they practice that they are basically practicing Islam in its purest form. If you understand the Quran, it, it, it's that's actually probably true. And I'm not talking about Islamic people. I'm talking about the writings of Muhammad. You know how I told you in the Bible. We we, we kind of did the same thing. The, the when it comes to the letters, they're not in chronological order. The letters, you know, the longest. Being Romans, you know, is the first one after the Gospels. You know, you know, and as they go down through, it's they're they're put in by length. The longest letter of Paul is the first one, and the shortest of the letters is the last one. the The Quran does a similar thing. It's not in chronological order. The longest of of the chapters is the first, and and, and the shortest of the chapters is the last. They do the exact same thing. Well, Muhammad's thing. And this kind of this kind of shows kind of how even what he says is contradictory to the to the nature of God. The uh, we know that Jesus is the same. We know this from Hebrews, and we know it also from the law that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't change his mind. That's why I, when I talk about the law, I so said the stuff that's in the front of the Bible still applies just as much as it ever has. It, it does. God doesn't change his mind. Well, Muhammad's thing was. His most recent revelation is kind of the Word of God. So kind of what we see is the, what we call the verse of the sword. You know, this is where, where they're instructed to, and I actually downloaded the Quran and actually read these different things, and it's, it's actually there. Talking about lying in wait, you know, to kill the infidel. You know, so they, this stuff was kind of more toward the, um, more toward the front, and, and and people who don't really understand this think, well, the, the peace and love stuff, the smaller chapters, because that's kind of in the back of the Quran, that was 
That was kind of the, the most recent revelation, but it wasn't. Muhammad talked peace when he had to deal with Christians and Jews. You know, there were a time that he cohabitated in the same region, and he had to deal with them. And he did talk about peace with Christians and Jews. But now that he kind of shifted and, you know, and goes to Mecca, he, he now becomes basically a 6th century warlord. He, you know, so the, when he's talking about the lying in wait, it was actually his, one of his more recent revelations. So that is truly the idea Muhammad was trying to capture. You, you know, this idea of waiting to kill infidels. And I've, and I've talked to some Islamic people about this. It's like, well, no, this is about conversion. It's like, that's not what it says. Talk, it literally says the, the, the lion white in the bushes. You, you, you know, this isn't. So the, the, these, people who, the, these people who observe true Islam, because they have a warped idea of who God is, this is where it gets kind of this is where it gets kind of hairy. And people people really get offended when I say this, but and I have to explain why I say it. Believe it or not, um, both of us claim to follow Yahweh, and, and I say Yahweh, the God of Abraham. You, you, you know, so when I say that we're I don't say that we serve the same God. I'm, what I'm saying is, is in our, in our idea of, of, of who God is, we both believe that we serve the God of Abraham. <laughs> Why? Because where does Islam start? Ishmael, Abraham's first son. You, you know, so the Muslim people when it kind of comes to the way the world kind of worked back then, where the firstborn kind of got everything, this, this battle going on over things like the Gaza Strip, it's a legit fight. You, you know, because by the, the law of the land at the time, Abraham's first son, Ishmael, should have had it all. The problem is, is he wasn't the child of the promise. You know, and this comes back to the sovereignty of God, of God getting to choose you know, who he's going to use. God is not bound by our rules of, the, of the, hey, this firstborn child gets everything. So these people who are practicing true Islam and now are attacking Jerusalem and, and spots all over, all over Israel. And this is, is where I'm bringing this back to is where this, this is truly a Jesus- Satan type battle because these people, even though they believe they are working for God, because they have this warped sense of who God is and how God works, they worship a God that they believe is almost angry. You, you, you know, they believe in like this punishing God. So even though we have two groups of people, the Jewish people and, 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 the, and the Muslims, they're both claiming to be, you know, following the God of Abraham. But Satan has the ability to kind of control what, what these, these radical Islamic people are doing in the name of God. You, you know, they believe they are serving God. These 911 terrorists, they believe this was a God thing. You, you know, just like these people that are attacking Israel right now. But what, they are so warped 
in their thinking, in their spiritual lives, that, that, that the devil has convinced them that because, because they are descendants of Ishmael, that what they're doing is okay. You, you know, so this, this, this is really a battle between good and evil, even more specifically God and the devil. And that's what's going on right now in, in, in Israel. That's what's going on right now in America. Not, 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 in, not in that type of scale. Have you looked really around? And I know we talk about this stuff. Our battle looks a lot different, but it's, but it's significant. Have, have, you, have you gotten on social media or watched TV and seen these battles of ideologies, these battles from, over morality, who's right and who's wrong? I mean, like you know, my full-time job is I'm a, I'm a cop at a college. But, but there, there are people in, at, at my school that, I kid you not, they got full beards and are wearing dresses. And they think it's okay. They see it as normal. You, you know, so even though we don't have guns and rockets being fired in, we still have a significant battle going on. And it's between the same folks. It's still between our Father in heaven, and the devil himself. So we need to, and we will take a, a time of prayer you know, during our church time you know, to pray for Israel. And we do need to pray for Israel. Because, and I've focused a lot about this, that doesn't, doesn't, aren't, doesn't Jesus himself call us the engrafted vine? He, you know, doesn't Paul talk about how believers are, are, can be our children of Abraham? So this isn't just this isn't just radical Islam attacking you know Jews on the other side of the world. This is radical Islam attacking you because you and the Jewish people, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and, 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 and are, are engaged in the, in the new covenant, if you believe what Jesus says and you believe what Paul says, you are one people. <laughs> you're, one, you're one set of folks. This is a battle against you as well. This is not, this is not something... In, in fact, I even talked about, I think, this last week, the, the return of Christ. We, you know, I honestly believe, and I know every generation since Jesus loves us, that we could be the generation. Do you see what's going on, folks? I, I, I mean, nations are rising up against Israel. The bear from the north, Russia, is just almost off the cuff right now. I, I mean, they're practicing. I mean, they're testing their nuclear-propelled propelled missiles, and they swear they got them down down packed now. But what's the significance of that? A nuclear-propelled missile could be shot from Russia and hit the United States. It's low and it's fast. You know, so we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing things that Jesus said would happen, happen. Just the fact that, that, that the olive branch the, 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 has, has bloomed you know, in this generation, should be something that should be catching there. What is the olive branch in, 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 in prophecy? So often it's, it's, it's Israel. We, we see Israel become a nation again in the 40s. You, you know, the generation that was alive in the 40s, guess what? A lot of them are still here. You know, so I'm not being henny penny. The sky is falling, the sky is falling. But what I am saying 
is that we have, we have unfolding in front of us what I consider prophecy unfolding before our very eyes. This is like the book of Daniel kind of stuff. This is like, this is like going into the last week you know, of the 72 weeks. I mean, and this is, this is, this is, we need to be in prayer. <laughs> we need to be in prayer. And yes, that was probably one of the larger rabbit holes I've ever gone down in a lesson. But it's something that we really, we really need to understand the state of the world that we're in right now. I'm not a doomsday prophet. I'm not a prophet, period. <laughs> I'm, but again, I'm, I'm, but I'm saying I see the signs. I see the signs. And, and I'll tell you, God is a God of order. And, and this is just, there's nothing to back this up. It's just, it's just one of these things that, do you realize, though, that, that we're within, you know, 13, 14 years of the 2,000 year mark of the, of, of the crucifixion of Christ? Is that significant? It may not be. But it does seem like God, I'm not one of these number guys. You, you, you know, first of all, I stink with numbers. I stink at math. You, you know, so it's, it's not one of these things that I, I, I dig into the Bible and try to figure out, you know, this number means that, this number means this and that and the other, whatever. But I do know it's that God seems to work in a very, I don't want to say predictable, but a very consistent pattern. You, you know, so when I see what's unfolding in the Middle East right now, and, and I see the 2,000-year mark of the crucifixion of Christ quickly approaching, this is not a time, and I talked about, we talked about this in church last week, don't be caught sleeping. I, I think we need to, I don't mean in church, <laughs> We all do that from time to time, especially if I'm preaching. But on the flip side, don't be caught in a, in a period where, where we're just kind of numb to what's going on around us and, and we lose the urgency that, that we should have of the imminent return of Christ. Why? Because when he comes, and I'm a pre-trib guy, I believe the church will be raptured. I, I, I do. I, I just do. You know, I hope I'm not wrong, but I'm a, I'm a pretty true guy. I think that's I think it's strongly supported. But w- once that occurs, and you're looking you're looking about halfway to two thirds of the way through what we would call the tribulation period, it's going to get real. The only way that the folks that are left behind are going to know is if we're telling them now. They might not accept it yet, which might be the reason why they get left behind. Including your loved ones, your neighbors, your co-workers. If they, if they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in the, in the tribulation, or in the, the, the rapture, or, and I know that's a word that we've made up, the taking up, the, the calling us up into the air. You know, that's the more accurate translation of what's... If that occurs before... Before the tribulation, these folks are going to face the darkest hours in the history of the world. And if they don't know Jesus, they're in trouble. What's another reason why? What's something that happens in the last parts of, last parts of the tribulation? 
three-fourths of the world dies. Three-fourths of the world dies. So we need to be trying to take as many people with us as we can, not only to avoid tribulation, but just to make it to heaven, period. Not only just to make it to heaven, and this is why we need to very quickly get very serious about what we're going to do as far as outreach goes and go after it, because there are people out there who are hopelessly broken. In fact, I'll tell you, you want to know what, you, you want to know what your sermon series is going to be starting in, in, in January 1st? I'm going to teach a 25-week series on recovery. We're going, to do the, we're going to do this 25 sermons from Celebrate Recovery. Why would you do that? Because two things. One, when I became a recovery pastor, before I, I started studying recovery, I thought I was okay. I thought my stuff was tight. Man, I, I mean, I was a highly decorated cop. I mean, I had, I had all this training. I had all, these, all this stuff. I had a family. I, had, I said, man, I, my stuff is together. When I really started breaking it down and I started looking at the way I thought and I started looking at the th- way I felt about things, I realized I was still hopelessly broken. I didn't see it until I, I, I went through this process. Recovery isn't just for people struggling with addictions. There are things that we need to recover from spiritually. I've told you, I, I, am, I am an unforgiving person. That's, that's my greatest flaw. Well, my wife will probably give you three or four others. In my opinion, my greatest flaw, because it has significant spiritual implications, is I, I, have a, I struggle with forgiveness. I really, really do. The same process where people can become free from addictions and bad behaviors, you can apply these same truths to help you with spiritual issues. In fact, Celebrate Recovery talks about hurts, hurts, hang-ups, and habits. Here's the other reason why. We're going to be putting out on our, our, our beautiful sign out here, the fact that we're teaching a recovery series. I'm hoping that somebody sees that and it's like, you know what? I could use that. So we need to get serious. That's just one little thing. That's an easy thing. You know, I've taught those sermons for years. You know, that, that, that's, not, that's, that's, that's not a hard thing. But we need to do something to tell the people out there that you need Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father without him. No one. No one. Absolutely no one. We need to get serious, folks. We need to get serious in our prayers for Israel. We need to get serious in our prayers for the United States. We need to get serious in our prayers for Frederick County, Virginia. We do. You're still here for a reason. Let me tell you what. You've had a rough 50 years. You have. When I've heard, I'm a, I'm a newbie here. I've only been here a little over a year. But I've heard the stuff that you guys have gone through. I mean, splits and the stuff with the, 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 
you know, the, 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 the person stealing all the money, you know, you know issues with, and, and then here recently, I mean, well, you've seen what's happening here recently. <laughs> I mean, we kind of just went through another split, you, you know, in a way. I've seen, I've seen the things that this church has gone through, but you still exist because God has a purpose for Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church. He does. He has given us some really cool partnerships. New Hope Baptist Church, Sanford Silver. You girls, they cut our grass. All of it. All of it. And I don't know if you realize, that's a lot of grass. We basically go from the fence, this direction, all the way to the housing development pretty much from 81 to 11. I mean, they cut a lot of grass. They plow or snow. That's a really cool partnership for us. <laughs> you carry it. I know they're leaving. How long have they been here? Seven years? The last seven years, they've been almost paying the mortgage. You know, so God has been sending partnerships with this church, and regardless of what has rocked the church, you still exist because God has a plan. And, and, and we, need to, we need to fulfill, we need to work on that plan. You, you know, I, I imagine after the last couple of weeks, of course, we're going to look even smaller. We have a lot of people traveling this week. Uh, at least three families that I know are traveling. I know there may be some people who are downhearted about kind of the events and the way they've unfolded the last few weeks. And it can be sometimes difficult to become motivated to engage in, 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 in especially spiritual warfare, prayer, on, on on the behalf of what's going on around us in our communities, after you've kind of had the, 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 wind, the wind taken out of your sails. The problem, the problem with that is, and it's not even a problem, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it, it's normal. If you're not feeling kind of beat up over the last couple of weeks, I mean, we've had, some, we've had some tough times over these last couple of weeks. If you're not feeling kind of beat up and deflated, then you're not normal. You're tougher than I am, that's for sure. You have a resilience that's crazy. Crazy awesome. But when we're in this place that we are in right now, it's when it's most important for you to get up and to pray. It's the most important time for you to get up and engage with the community. It's the most important... Not just because Eucharia is going away and you know, we're so much smaller now and how are we going to pay the bills, God? And, you know, who knows? But what I do know is that failure isn't, to, to, to be a failure, it, it, it's not messing up and falling down. You don't truly fail till you stop getting up. And that's why we as a church, we need to get back up. And we need to get, and again, when we get serious about the things, when we get serious about the things that God is passionate about, his people, the community, our relationship with him, he's going to do some wild things. 
He's going to use some wild things. I'm fully confident of it. So yes, we only got through one question in 45 minutes. If you're part of my Sunday school, these guys are going to tell you that's, that's not actually, actually all that uncommon. <laughs> you know? But I do believe, I, I do believe we need to get serious. Stand up, church. Let us pray, and then we're going to go eat donuts. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Father, I pray off. I pray for the protection of your people in Israel. When I see these videos of Hamas dragging Israeli citizens back across the border and holding them captive, I, I, I can't even imagine. It disturbs me, God. I can't even imagine what's going through your heart right now. Especially since you love both sides. Why, how complicated that must be. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him. You died for the kidnappers as much as you did the abductees. That's a tough place to be, God. Wouldn't want your job for nothing. God, but I ask as they continue to send these missiles, these, these anti-missile systems that Israel has, God, I ask that they intercept every single one. May this radical ideology, may it not touch your people. God, when the Israeli Defense Force and the police, when they're tired, give them strength. Let them all be like Gideon. Let them all be like Gideon. You can do that, God. You can do that. God, and as we fight our own fights here in the U.S., maybe again not with guns, guns and missiles, but the spiritual warfare that just that we just wrangle with on a daily basis. God, let the truth of your word be heard. Our society is trying so hard to bend your word to fit it. God, we need, our society needs to fit to your word. The words from which, the very words that we were founded on as a country. God, and I ask that as we have our families out traveling, visiting family, going to different places across the United States this week, God, I just ask that you just, just give them traveling mercies. God, bring them home safe. Bring them home safe, God. God, and I ask as we go into the service, God, I ask that I decrease and that you increase. God, I don't want my words to be in there. I just want your Holy Spirit to speak. 
God, we love you, and we praise you, and we adore you. May we live lives worthy of, of, of the call that you've given us. Make us like Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.